You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management, archaeology, and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeological Podcast, episode 253. And for today, I am your host, Andrew Kinkala, coming at you live from Southern California. And with me is Heather. Good morning, or hello, everyone. <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> Andrew, because it's morning. Yes. You can hear my cats in the background meowing for their food. So <laughs> I can. At, at first, I'm like, is that a person? What's no. happening back there? <laughs> it's, so my husband went to go walk our dog, and now my cats know that it's it's a breakfast time, so they're going to meow until oh, he right. comes back. Right. Just so you know, that will be in the background I, <laughs> for the next I, five minutes. <laughs> I can't believe they're going to meow over all the genius things that I'm about to say. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> you know, when you let me tell you when you have to start worrying, Andrew. When's that? When I start meowing over all the genius you know, things that, that you're saying. I, I think I think that will be a time to worry. <laughs> so I'll try yeah. to refrain myself. OK, yeah, if you can just. Keep it, keep it, keep it locked up. Everything's going to be okay. 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 Uh, For today, uh, I thought we would talk about sort of savings and investing and what to do in the long term with your money. Because I know that when I was a young person starting out in CRM, that I was always super curious about this. I always tried to learn about long-term finances and investing and saving. And I ultimately did But it was slow because I was always a little reticent about it. I was always a little scared. I was like, oh, my God, what if I get taken advantage of? You know, so really early on, I could have made better decisions than I did. I didn't do terrible, but I definitely could have done much better. So for today's show, I hope that we can kind of go through the different styles of savings and investing and we can talk about our own experiences and kind of give people an idea of what to do and for them to realize that they don't need to be scared, that there's a lot of different ways to invest your money for the long term and they are relatively safe, you know? So that's where I'm going with this, Uh, Heather. What what do you think about that? I, I think it's great because I'll just be honest. I just kind of for a while, just put my head in the sand. It was overwhelming. Mm, yeah, I didn't know. It looked, it sounded like a, an adult problem and I didn't see myself as an adult yet. So, yeah. so, and that's the problem. Like smart people start <clears throat> with the process early on. In fact, they start saving. You don't even, you know, have to be an adult to start saving. So, you know, yeah. and the, the exponential growth of funds can make a, it makes a huge difference. So, you know, it, you don't want to catch up, but it's never too late. Even if you're like right now you're 40 and you've been a shovel bum your entire career and you've never saved anything, it's not too late. You do it now. Start now. It's better than starting when you're 50. You know? Absolutely. So you can't put your head in the sand and any little bit helps. Any little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, I Man, I can't agree more because here I am sitting here at 50, you know, and and thinking like, Thank God I did some investing. And I think I have the feeling that so many people in this age range do where it's like, oh, man, I should have invested more, you know, but at yeah. least there's something sitting there. So I, I can't think, look at uh, it that way. I know. I know. It's just wasted time, really. I yeah. mean, unless you're looking at it in a solution based way, right. it's just, you know, OK, these are mistakes that I've made. How can I how can I improve on that? That's fine. Exactly. But if you sit there and you use it as an ex excuse in your mind to not do anything because you're like, you know what, I've already, I'm already too old. What, what, what can I do now? Yeah. Might what's, as well just enjoy it. Enjoy my money now. <laughs> that's right. What, what's left except death? You know, right. <laughs> why should I take money away? <laughs> no, but I, I, I just agree so much that this is so important. So I thought I'd start at the bottom, you know, for young people, it's like, oh, so do you have a savings account? Now, right. I am not here to recommend a savings account as any kind of long-term investment because it's not. The percentages you get on a savings account are terrible. You know, they're Mm -hmm. like 1% or something. But I do think it's worth it to have one. I I tend to use a savings account as like a way station for my money, meaning like 
I need some money that's easily available that I know I'm going to need in like three months or something, you right. know, but I'm not thinking of it as an investment. I might have some money in there that I will invest in like three months, but I'm not, I'm not pushing a ton of money into my savings account thinking, Oh, in right. 20 years, this is where the big money is. Cause it's not right. It, not at all. <laughs> it literally, you're going to lose money on it. Exactly. With the interest that you have versus inflation, yeah, you will lose money if you keep it in the bank. But yep. the one thing I think it's a good start because you really should have, especially people in archaeology that don't have a full time job, uh -huh. you should always have like three, four months of what you need money wise to keep right. you going if you couldn't work at all. So you should always yep. I mean, like the key thing is three months. You should have three months worth of salary in your bank just in your savings for the rainy day, for the time that, you know, you need it. You just can't find work or whatever. Yep. And and that and should that, be, I think, your first savings. Like that is what you should be building up first. I, 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 I agree to a point. I think you should build that up, but also do some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. Because what can happen is... As we talk about three months of savings, I mean, I, I personally don't have that right now. And, you know, when you think three months right. savings, you're like, oh, Neither my do God, I. that is so much money. Neither yeah. do I. Yeah, I, I think the reason I say that, in, in, and I think it's kind of a common practice, is because mm -hmm. there are places that you put your money for investment that you can't take money out of. So yes. let's say you're putting everything into 401k, and now all <laughs> of a sudden you need money now. You yeah. can't take it out without a big penalty. So- yep. You know, that's why they say it's good to have some savings in your account. I don't have three months either. But yeah. if we plan for three and we have a month, that's better than nothing. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's yeah. where we really all fall. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I hope that makes people feel a little more comfortable about this. You know, yeah. like, because, yeah, you don't have three months. I don't have three months. But we have we try, you know, to have a little yeah. bit just in in case. And that idea of getting the money fast, that's what a savings account is good for. You can take it out yeah. right now. You know, yeah. I would also say sometimes people weigh the difference between a regular old savings account, like, a, you know, like a Wells Fargo or something, which are the very worst. But things like a credit union is a little better. Yes. It's yep. still the same idea of you don't use it for long term you know, savings, but you'll get a slightly better rate. It's great to be a part of a credit union because you can also get things like help with buying a car, you know, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll give you really good rates on money for, for a car, that kind of thing. I'm a member of a credit union and I, I do recommend them. It used to be a little bit more difficult because the branches, they never have any branches barely. Right. That's right. why you'd be like, oh, okay, that's why I'll do Wells Fargo. Yeah. You have fee Yeah. Just be careful. You do a credit union. You just got to find a credit union. It's not going to, you know, have fees on. Exactly. On ATMs and things like that because that yeah. can be really quick. Yeah. Well, now you know with Venmo and and mm -hmm. other types of platforms are really I I don't I, I don't use ATMs like I used to at Ex all. Exactly. That's what I yeah. think is a boon for credit unions because you don't need the physical spot like you used to. So they're right. they're a better deal than they used to be basically. Yeah. The, and actually, as you brought up, there's also this sort of online savings accounts too. You know, there's mm -hmm. a, there's sort of this third party, which will give you the best rates of all. Still not good for long-term investing, but it will give you a slightly better rate. And in my experience, the online ones, it does take a couple days to get the money out. It's not like a right. 401k, but it's not quite as liquid as, right. you know, a bank. And you know what? Like, I, I think maybe we talk just a little bit since we are talking about banks, yeah. because, you know, my my son, he's he's 21. He's going in. You know, he has an account and everything. We've talked about, you know, how, how to set things up when you're getting paid. And and I think there's a lot of people that aren't being taught that. Like when you and I were in school, mm -hmm. now we sound like old people, but <laughs> now you and I were in high school. We had we were taught how to write a check. We were taught how yeah. to have a you know, how to keep a register on your bank, how to. Yep which is like that book where you actually keep track of your expenditures. Yeah, the old uh, nobody checking, does that anymore. Yeah, the, the like checkbook with the like yeah. writing down all the numbers. I know nobody yeah. does that, but it's such good experience. Yeah. It, it's really important. And I think, you know, there's these really, there are really good banks out there that have uh, credit cards that are tied to them. And I think yeah. that is one thing when it comes to, especially archaeologists that are in the field all the time with expenses. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hear people say, well, I want the company to 
take care of everything for me. Now, as long as you're working for a company who's going to give you expenses regularly, like they, you get the expenses within a week or two tops, then yeah. I don't think that's the way to go. You should be paying for hotels and all your food yourself and do it on a credit card that gives you points. Yes. And you get, oh my gosh, it's amazing what you can do. And then you can start paying for, let's say some of your hotels are for free. Although be careful yep. about that because you have to have receipts for some, but you have to be strategic and you yes. can use these. You, I mean, think about how much you pay for as a field archaeologist. It's thousands of dollars yep. a week or, I mean, a month, thousands of dollars a month. If you're in the field all the time and you're traveling, that is definitely uh, the, the way to go and make the most out of, you know, all your purchases. Absolutely. I, I can't agree more. Get a credit card that has some sort of points, some sort of cash back. You can get cash back at like one and a half percent without even trying, you know. And so if you're charging thousands of dollars, like for me, I do that and I get like, I don't know, fifteen hundred bucks a year back. You know, like it's it's great. So like Chase, uh, uh, Chase yes. Sapphire, they have a great their card, their points are terrific. And then they have, yeah. if you watch them, they have like 25%. You you can pay with your points and you can buy things. Right. And you get a 25% discount on what you buy with your points. It's like, you, yeah. you just... You just have to do your homework on it. You're right. You have to be strategic. Like I have a, a American Express blue cash one that, that goes up to 5% depending on what I buy. And then I have a uh, Capital One one that does the one and a half or 2% or whatever. But again, I'm knowledgeable. I looked for these. I specifically, you know, picked them out. Also, of course, with credit cards, they can give you deals on um, rental cars too. Like they can give you yes. really good rental mm -hmm. car insurance. And that can matter for CRM, depending, you know, if you need to do something like that. Travel perks. There's one absolute must, though, if you're going to do this, which is really extremely obvious. But you have to say it. You got to pay it off after the month. What? Or you're paying interest. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Where's the idea? That part is no fun at all. Okay. Yeah. And so people ask, well, why do, like, I, you know, my son asked early on, he's like, why would credit cards loan me money like this? I said, yeah. because more often than, than not, people do not pay it off and they get the interest. And just think about the millions of people that they have on these credit cards. That's right. a lot of money that they're earning. So that's right. what they're counting on. Credit cards are counting on you not paying off your monthly balance. And so, yeah. you know, if, so everything that you're saving, you're giving back to the credit card. So as long as you yep. are good about making sure that you, you know, pay it off at the end of the month, as mm -hmm. soon as you get that expense report or you know, the expense check and you pay it off immediately, you're golden. I mean, it, right. you're awesome. working the system. And, and yeah. there are years when it doesn't happen. Like for me right now, I have a credit card balance on one of my credit sure. cards and too. they're yep. making, you know, they're all it the happens. money they're giving me, they're getting back. You know, it happens. But it comes and goes. Yeah. Yes. That is exactly as, long as, you wash, as long as it's a wash mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for credit cards, yes. you just don't want to hold it too long. Yeah. And the, the other thing is like understanding, and I know we're here on investments, but part of investments is being smart with your money, right? Not That's throwing away money. So mm -hmm. um, the more you throw away, the less you have to invest. But, you know, also, also understand if you're late on a card, they can increase your percentage rate and yeah. of interest. And so that's one thing, just at least minimum balance. One thing I just do the automatic payment and then I put plus a hundred or plus 200. Yeah. Just me to too. be safe. Yeah. Always. Me too. Same thing. Because they'll get you at any angle, you know. Oh, sure. Yep. And then there's no, no turning back at that point. They won't negotiate a lower, or they will, but very rarely. Yeah, exactly. You're just, you're at their whim. All right. Well, on that note, this is, I think, a pretty good spot to kind of stop and go into our next round of investment advice. So when we come back, the Roth IRA and the 401k. <laughs> See you guys in a minute. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the CRM Archaeological Podcast, episode 253. And we are talking about money and investing for the long term. And I thought I would start out this segment by talking a little bit about what a Roth IRA is and what that means. Should you get one or not? And so on. What I would say. So the short answer is a Roth IRA is a retirement account where when you put money in, you won't have to pay taxes on it when you take it out. That's the big deal with a Roth. So in general, I would really recommend this kind of stuff for younger people, people just kind of starting out in the world, because on the flip side, you're like, well, why doesn't everyone have a Roth IRA? It's because when you make a certain amount of money, they don't let you have one anymore. Like if, if you're making like, I don't know the exact line, but let's say you're making $110,000 a year, you're getting up into the area where they don't allow it anymore. So if you're a rich person, too bad, no Roth IRA. But when you're starting out in your 20s and 30s, it's a it's a great way to go to start investing your money because that's something that can be built on for the long term. And then when you take it out, there is no tax penalty. So that's the big deal with that. Heather, do you have any experiences with with a Roth? No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really learn about them. I mean, you would hear about it and I just didn't do it. So, and I would say 110 is not a rich person, but anyway. yeah, I know, I know, especially in, you know, Southern California, you're no thousand a year is not rich. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but that's, but in the Roth world, it is, you know, if that makes, yes. if yes. that makes sense, that's where they start drawing the line and they start making it so you can't put as much in. Right. Every, right. And I would say, you know, you, there are limits to how much you can contribute every year. Right. So you have to look and I would literally just write it down in a piece of paper, all your options and figure out, you know, how much can you put into each one of these little buckets and yes. what makes more sense. So you want to look and say there's multiple different places that you can put your money in and we'll talk about all of them over this podcast. But yeah. when you're putting your money into these buckets, you see, OK, what can do more for me? And right. then you fill that bucket. Okay. The one that can do a little less for me, you fill that bucket. And then yeah. there's some that are just, eh, there's almost everything has a mat. Almost everything has a limit. But yes. like right now it's 6,000. If you're um, over 50 right now, it's yeah. 7,000. So that's the other thing is that, you know, that's one thing you and I were talking offline about is that just because you're 50 years old and you haven't, let's say ever saved anything. Yeah. It's not too late because there are laws in place for you to be able to save more that are ta that's tax free because you are older in an attempt to help you catch up. Right. And, you know, I really like what you were saying uh, back there a moment ago about sort of filling the buckets, because that's what this is all about. Have as many buckets as you can. You know, you're yeah. going to have a Roth. You're going to have a 401k. You're going to play the stock market You do all the stuff. So. I've found that that ideology of like filling the different buckets as you can is a really yeah. great way to go. And um, here, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just said, make a big list and put all the numbers down. Just that alone. I, I know if in the beginning would have maybe go, okay, you know what? Forget it. I, yeah. This is too much. Yeah. I, there's no, I don't even, you're telling Heather and Andrew, you're telling me to make these lists. I don't even know where to start. Right? Exactly. You don't have to do that. Right. Let's say you have a job and that job, it, it has a company that's managing the retirement portfolio and you can go, that's what I did. You go mm -hmm. and talk to that person and that person will sit down and will look at, okay, how much do you make right now? How long do you have before you want to retire? And you can't look at it like I'm not going to be spending as much when I get older. Because you're going to be spending more when you get older. Yeah. Why? Because things are going to be more expensive when you're older. <laughs> so you have to look at, you have to, and they're very good at that, at, you know, looking ahead and seeing how much is it going to cost, estimating how much is going to cost for you to survive per month. And then that is what you're aiming for. And then they help you figure out how can you invest? What's the amount you need to invest every year? And in what buckets you need to put that, those investments in? 
so that you can build that that nest egg so that you're ready at at retirement that should be your goal to right. be able to have enough money to basically take care of yourself comfortably not like in under the poverty line right know, right exactly and here you bring up to the like the role of the financial advisor and in my experience, you just have to be wary of the financial advisor. This is the moment where when you feel a little unsure, yes, that's okay. Because yeah. yes, they are there to kind of, well, they're there for them, you know, and then they kind of help you on the side, if that makes sense in my experience. Yeah. And it's not like they're criminals, but they care about them first, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And you do need to, so Go into that world with your eyes open. It is nice, I would say, to, to deal with a financial advisor. Be completely relaxed in letting your financial advisor go if you don't like them, because there is a billion of them out there. Yeah. And I've had experiences on both sides. I've had terrible financial advisors, and I've had ones that are pretty good. It's part of the learning experience. You just sort of deal with them, and you kind of you know learn, and you move on as you go. But this is your money. You know, so you don't need to sit there and deal with it if they're terrible. As you get older, though, I mean, at least get your foot in the door. As you get older, you're going to have to have more savvy financial advisors or I shouldn't say older. But as you have more money or you make more money, you do need or let's say you want to kind of get your toe into investments, stocks and things Mm -hmm. like that. Then you have to have a different kind of financial advisor. But. Just to start off with, don't let it overwhelm you. Because I know for me, I I mean, maybe not everybody's like that, but maybe there is somebody that's listening that's like that. When you get overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, sometimes you just like, you know, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and not do it. And that's the worst decision to make. That's (laughs) just you. That's just you. You're the only person who does that in the world. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, go ahead. No, so I, I was just going to agree that it, it does get overwhelming. And as I talk about, you know, being wary about a financial advisor, I'm not here to say don't get one, because even if you have one that's like middling, it's still a really good learning experience. Like you like you said, you have to get your toe in the door. You know, you got to get in there and and uh, try it out. So right. it's so, it's good to do and good to learn. Yeah. The first step, like I said before, is I would say you're like, I don't even know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. financial, like looking at retirement and, and, you know, just looking ahead and trying to plan, that's kind of a loss leader thing that, that, uh, financial experts do. So right. they, you, they, to get you in the door. So then, then they can sell you other, basically try to, you know, and have you invest in other things that they do make money on. They're helping yeah. you figure out how to be solvent. And so that is something that they generally, they do not charge for. Right. And go into and the best place to start is the larger companies that are actually managing the comp the company that you work for managing that retirement fund so yes so yes i agree so go in there and at least start there and you and you know what might be a you know, somebody who's not that experienced but some of the stuff like basically they're going to know more than you do okay so Mm -hmm. (laughs) helpful and just get at least get some kind of sense. And what they'll do is they'll give you a profile. And most of the time with these 401ks, you can go onto their website and you can see how you have all these little pie charts and everything that tell you how you're doing as you're progressing towards saving to what you need to save in order to be comfortable when you retire. So yeah, these are just start off baby steps and then master, then you can move on to something a little more complex. And exactly. And uh, I, have, I have two things here. First, you know, when you first get in touch with the financial advisor, one of the things they're going to try and oversell to you is life insurance. They're going to be mm-hmm. like, oh you, life insurance? oh, you need more life insurance because that's where they, you know, make Term a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't don't worry so much about the life insurance thing. Like this is more for your investments. Also, Heather, you just brought up the term 401k and I thought we could move forward on that one. So yeah. the 401k is kind of the the, the big mama that we all hear about for retirement. And so this is where you put your money in for long term. And the idea is you're going to take it out when you retire. You will have to pay taxes on it, unlike the Roth IRA, right? Those That's kind of the big difference between the two. In the 401k, you uh, you work with the financial advisor, often, Heather, as you said, with the 
the one that it, they'll have one kind of attached to your company. And that's really great. Like if you're, if your company offers a 401k, some companies, do, some companies don't. And I would say if they do, the answer is always yes. Right. You want it. Yes. You want- don't assume like I've heard people. I, I just, I was just talking to somebody who just assumed that the 401k was something that the company put money in for you. No. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And they, they haven't been doing anything. Right. They haven't putting any money in because they assumed that the company did it for them. Like, oh, my goodness. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I thought that when I was like 24, you know, like I thought, oh, they just kind of started up. No, you have to actively, you know, go in, fill out the paperwork, start it up. Uh, Depending on the 401k, too, sometimes they'll give you a choice of how exposed you want it to the stock market, meaning, you can have your 401k be more volatile and you might make mm-hmm. big money, but you also might lose big lose money, big money, <laughs> or you have it more conservative. And usually, usually the idea is when you're younger, you can have a little more volatile when you're older, a little more conservative. It's really up to you. I would just pick it somewhere yeah. in the middle. You know, the one thing also I, I before I forget, yeah. just because you're part time or as needed, don't assume that you don't have the option for a 401k. Right. Ask. There are lots of companies that are giving 401k and and uh, offering a 401k and sometimes even 401k match, which we can go into. Yeah. For part time and as needed. So, yes. you know, ask and you don't know if you don't ask. Right. I experienced that. I did work part time for a CRM firm that offered a 401k. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then the match, that's the other thing that I think is a misconception. So people think, yes. oh, match means match. Match means mm-hmm. if I put in 300, mo- 300 a month or 300 a paycheck, then my company is putting in 300 a paycheck. Right. Nope. <laughs> that's not <laughs> how it works. Think about, like, really think about that. That's a, and, that's a lot of money. If right, everybody and- did that. This is one that I never understood 100% because I haven't had to deal with this directly. Like in terms of matching versus not like if they match, what does that mean? So a lot of companies, what they do is they match up to a certain percentage of your salary. Mm -hmm. So let's say you are, let's say you make 40,000 a year and you are, you contribute 2,400 in uh, over the entire year to your 401k. Uh-huh. And then, so that would be that's 6% of your salary. Right. And they will match a certain, a certain percentage of that. Sometimes they'll match that full 6% and sometimes they'll match uh 50% of up to 6% of your salary. So, and, and it, it's all, so you have to look at it. You can't just say, Oh, it's 401k match. You have to see exactly how much they are you know, they will match up to. Right. So, so I, I still look, don't get, I still don't get it. So if I put in that 2,400, how much are they adding? So if let's say your employer says I'll match 50% yeah. of each dollar that you contribute, okay. then they're only matching 1,200. Okay. Gotcha. That's all I need to know. Yeah. See that, that totally makes sense. So I've, I've seen that in action before, but I didn't quite understand. See, so then at the end of the year, now you've you've put in thirty six hundred, yeah, into your four hundred one k for the year, right? And and then I, I would also say in in case you know they don't match at all or whatever, who cares? Just do it, just do it, right. just do it. If you're in the education world like I am, I don't have a four hundred one k. I have a four hundred three b, which is basically the same thing, but for the education world, right. Right. Yeah. And here's here's another one. Like sometimes it'll say it's a dollar for dollar. That's another term that you hear that. Yeah. So when you're you know, you're looking at, you know, you're negotiating when you're looking to move to another company, you know, they're always trying to change the terms to make them look more attractive. Right? Yes. So if you say somebody says, oh, yes, we are dollar for dollar match on your 401k. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wow. Dollar for dollar. It's great. But then yeah. the, the small print is. Three percent dollar to dollar match, three percent of your salary. So it's actually the same thing, right? right? So if I, if your company says I will fifty cents on the dollar, uh, up to six percent of your pay, and then the other company says, yeah, we are dollar for dollar match. 
up to three uh-huh. percent of yeah. your salary. Uh-huh. Well, that's the same thing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly I know. That's the same just, thing. They always play these games. Um, yeah. I guess my last bit on this too is if you're in the education world, right? I obviously also get a um, like a pension through CalSTRS. So this doesn't. Mm-hmm matter, of course, for the CRM world. But for those of you in archaeology, if you go into the education world, I will get that. What that means is they just they take out a portion of my salary kind of off the top and put it on there. That's why if you look at my salary on like Transparent California or whatever, it looks like I make like a ton, but I don't see that real money, you know, I guess until I retire. But realize month to month, I'm not making my uh, Ferrari payments. You know, I'm I'm not (laughs) quite there. So I just wanted everyone to realize that there is that other, that, that the CalSTRS thing is separate from the 403B, which is, which is something in addition, the idea right. being that I'll put money away in the 403B to kind of get me over the top because the CalSTRS thing will be very basic. Right. If that but makes sense. back to the IRA, yeah, the Roth IRA or any of those other kinds of means of saving money. These are things that are not tied to a company and nope. you can do these things on yes. your own and you should be doing these things on your own. So, you know, yeah. just, and you don't like, you have to be careful. You go on the internet, you can right, but just go in and, and talk to somebody whose business it is to do this Yeah, and don't be intimidated. You know, maybe sometimes uh, banks offer that too, or I actually shouldn't say sometimes banks do offer this also mm-hmm. use, you know, your bank is making money on your money, right? Yeah. So, they have services that you may not even realize they have. So go in and ask. You don't a, know if you don't yeah. ask. That's a great point. Definitely go into your bank, use them because they're using you horribly, yep. you know? So go in there, <laughs> sit down and be like, I want to sit down with these people, you know, and we're going to take an hour and you're going to explain right. to me everything about this. Yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. Again, my, my last bit on the Roth, I would say I've had a Roth for years and years and years. I had probably the world's crappiest Roth. And still, though, even a crappy Roth, better than no Roth at all, you know, and I guess at this point, we can wrap that up. And when we return playing the stock market. Hello, and welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 253. And for this segment, we're going to talk about the crazy world of the stock market. So I thought I could just talk for a bit about my experiences in the stock market, my experiences in investing in it, and then we can kind of go on from there. So very long story short, what I would say for everyone is don't be afraid of the stock market. I actually think it's one of the best things you can get into very early on. I, I know that it's intrinsically volatile, I know that you can lose all your money if you do something incredibly wrong, which I've done and I'll talk about as we go. But even though I've had some horrendous car crashes in the stock market, overall, I've made a ton. Like I've and and by a ton, I mean the percentage that I've gotten back in the stock market is way better than I've done on any of these other things, Roth IRA, 401k, any of this and As I go through this, I want everyone to think about themselves and be like, hey, you could do this too, right? And the key to dealing with the stock market is being what I would call a drip investor. That just means like, hey, every month I'll put a hundred bucks in this, or like every month I'll put 50 bucks in this, or you're starting out every month I'll put 30 bucks in this, you know? And by in this, I mean, an online stock trading account. Like for me, I use E-Trade. There's a bunch of others out there. I used to have a different one and they got bought by E-Trade. What's great about it is, in my experience at least, is it's all up to you. So when you lose, it's all your fault, which is oddly to me all right, because I've... uh had it the other way around where I've had financial advisors lose for me. And that to me is a much worse feeling because you have no control and you just watch them do something really stupid with your money. Uh, On the flip side, when you do something right, it's all you. And that can feel really good. And I will say as I go through this that it's also just really fun. It's fun to play the stock market 
as long as you're a long-term investor, you're not trying to be some sort of Wall Street tycoon where you're like buying and selling every two days, you know, where you're trying to make money on a stock in a 24 hour period. Like you don't want to do any of that stuff. This is long-term investing ultimately for retirement. So I was wondering, like, would you say that it makes sense to, you know, if, if I go to Vegas, right. And I yeah. decide I want to go and play, I say, I'm not a big gambler at all. I'm not Me a gambler neither. at all. I, I just no. go for the fun of it. Right. So uh-huh. in the beginning, I just, I'll say, okay, I'm going to, I'll play $50. And however that takes, however long that takes me, I'm going to use, I'm going to put that $50 with the, of course, I don't want to lose it, but with the idea that um, that's as much as I'm able to lose if I lose it. So I'm thinking like in the beginning, that's, that's maybe the way you start, especially if you don't have a whole lot to play with. Absolutely. And then as you start making money, you put a, would it, would it make sense that you put a percentage of what you just made into maybe something that's a regular earner and then have a percentage of your pot into stuff that's a little bit more risky? And then is that how you look at it or is it's a It's way? a little different than that, but I'm glad you okay. brought up the idea of Vegas because I do want everyone to think as we talk about stocks that there is a chance of just losing it all. Now, mm-hmm. As you, but as you move forward, what you what you're going to have is a portfolio, and I'm sure you've heard that term a bunch of times. Oh, your portfolio. Yeah. Mm, how's your yeah, stock that portfolio? Four hundred one k. Your four hundred one k has a portfolio. Right, and yeah. and really, what you find behind the scenes is there's financial advisors behind the Roth IRAs and the behind the four hundred one ks investing your money. You know, doing this, uh, but instead, why not just go straight to the stock market and do it for yourself? Because what I've found is. CRM archaeologists out there, you are easily as smart and as capable as the financial advisors out there. So it, it's nice to, to have a percentage to, to play the stock market. Now, what I would do, luckily, it's not as severe as Las Vegas. It's not like the house always wins with this. It's you want to go slowly. The key is you're, you're saving for retirement. You're not, you're not trying to make 10% in a month or something. By portfolio, I mean, you start, you find maybe like 10 stocks that are kind of classic stocks and that are, that diversify. That's another term you hear all the time. By that, it means you get some stuff in technology. You get some stuff in like the medical field. You get some stuff in what I like to call Americana, you know, Ford Motors or General Mm -hmm. Electric, right? And you you kind of invest in these more classical things. You don't start out by investing in the like fly by night solar panel Ponzi scheme that you're going <laughs> to lose tons on. Right. You don't, you don't put a bunch of money. Like the, the wrong way to do this would be like, you have $2,000, you put $2,000 in one stock, right? That would be the worst way to go. Right. right. You want to divvy it out. Oh, I'm gonna put a hundred here. I'm gonna put 150 here. Right. And, and so you, you want to think of it as like this creation of this portfolio that is in different areas of the financial sector, right? And and you do that over time. So back to your question, as you do that, you don't you don't then need to take money out and put it somewhere else. You're you are just growing different stocks. And then you have it so when you make money, it just reinvests into the original stock. Right. And that's well, I was that's thinking, it. yeah, I probably didn't communicate what I was thinking. It's okay. like you so you have you have that pot that you're doing exactly what you're just talking about. But if you want to be looking at something that's a little more risky, you only yeah. play with a certain amount. So you have that same mindset of yeah. going to Vegas and saying, okay, so you start off with 2000 and you're, mm-hmm. you're being a little, I don't know, just smarter about it or I yeah. smarter, but you know, more cautious about it with your investing. Right. And then let's say you, your pot is growing and you say, okay, I, I want to, I want to play around a little bit. So you, but you give yourself another limit, just like you had it when you had nothing. <laughs> you yes. say, I just want to put in, I, I want to play with this. I'm going to put $200 towards it, but you don't touch yeah. the rest of it. You let the rest of it work the way it's been working. Yes, you do. And you, again, it's just, I, I hope I'm being clear. It's this idea of drip investing that every month you just do a little more, every month you do a mm-hmm. little more and you can, right. you can go for more edgy stocks if you feel like it or not. 
You can just right. stay with the classic stuff because that will make a nice return a thousand times better than your stupid savings account. You know, right. it will keep track with inflation more or less. You know, that's a it's a it's a to me, it's a it's a great way to go. And let's say you have two thousand dollars to spend. I wouldn't even put it all in the same month. I would split it all up and I'd, I'd put in like two hundred a month over the next 10 months, you know, right. because the stock market itself is going to fluctuate. Another thing that people hear about is like mutual funds. You'll hear, oh, yes, mutual funds. I think mutual mm-hmm. funds are in general a really bad idea because, uh, again, all you're really doing is you're giving your money to someone else who is who has a quote unquote mutual fund, which is really just a bunch of stocks. It's like a set bunch of stocks. It's like, right. no, just buy your own specific stocks, like be the captain of your own ship on this and it'll just do better. You cut out the middleman. I recommend going old school on something like E-Trade and just buying stocks that sound good to you. Do a little research, you know, right. and just start learning. I've seen people get in trouble. I mean, my knowledge of stocks is very limited. I mean, you're a lot more, it's limited to basically me watching what's going on with the 401k from the side. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. So I know a little bit and you do it just so for those that haven't had a 401k, you have some choices and, and how your 401k is invested. So, you know, that, that is somewhere, maybe that's something you start with kind mm-hmm. of getting your feet wet with that. Although I do think it would be smart to, to do it right away. Just like you're saying. And I mean, it's, yeah. I'm feeling I'm 50 years old. I've never done it. So like I'm saying, okay, maybe this next year, that's something I'm going to do is I'm going to, totally. you know, look at, at that. And I think, the one thing that sometimes I think that people get, especially nowadays, because things are getting these, you know, these get quick rich schemes, right? Yeah. They, yeah you don't want that's that. not new to right. the 2020s, right? I mean, that's been around for thousands of years. There's always a get quick, <laughs> uh, get rich quick scheme, right? There sure so is. Don't like trade your insecurity and lack of knowledge with just going for that shiny ball, right? You have to do your homework. Yep. Like I know I, for my personality, I'll just admit it. Like I'm somebody who kind of wants to, like, if I'm going to lose weight, I'm, I'm going to look for like the, the fad diet, right? So <laughs> I'm not that steady. Be careful with what you eat. Although, you know, right. just, and, and just lose it. Uh, slowly over time, but it uh-huh. stays off. I'm kind of somebody who goes for that. Like, okay, let's, I don't have time for that. Let's just get something right. done quickly. And I'm not, and I'm not afraid of that. Well, you, have to, you just have to be careful because it's a laziness in a, in a way, right? It's, you have to do your homework. It's, it's, it's also maybe a lack of patience. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Or it's insecurity. Cause you're right. like, you know what? This stock, I'll never, I'll never understand stocks, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm just going to, like, it's just a crapshoot anyway. It's just a lottery anyway. Like these things that go through your head. Right. I, I'm just going to go and, hey, you, you hear these stories, right, of people making millions and millions yeah. of dollars yeah. in the stock market. And you hear, why do you hear those stories? Because they're unique. Because they don't happen very often. Yeah. It's, but it's those people that do this steadily their entire life that are in really good shape at the end of their, right. you know, when they're ready to retire. Those people that just put in and just consistently put it in like you are, those yeah. are the ones that are going to be set at the end. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. You know, and that's, again, it's the only one I have any real control over. It's like the 403B thing in my world. I'm like, whatever. They kind of <laughs> do whatever. It seems generally all right. But the stock market, I have control. You know, I can... Right. I can learn. I can do it all. I'm even part of a stock investing club on my campus, which is great because it's like, hey, we have like the economics professor as part like this is good, Ah, you know, so I really recommend that, too, because sometimes, you know, locally your friends or whatever, sometimes people do a little investing club thing. And that could be cool, too, where you just share like stock, you know, tips. Yeah. Just to give people an idea of some of the highs and lows. uh, I Early on, when I was in my 20s, I got like $4,000 from my grandma after she died, right? There was like $4,000 that I got. And I'm like, I'm going to invest this. And it was around like 2000, right before the technology bubble burst way back in Mm -hmm. like 99 or 2000. And so I gave it to somebody, a, a financial advisor who put it in a mutual fund, a technology mutual fund. And he made my $4,000 into about $1,600 overnight. Oh, no. 
So I lost about 60%. And yeah. And so, and like I sold it finally, like four years later or something. And it was up to like 1800 bucks. Like it was, I just got reamed. And so that was one of my big failures. I also bought a, uh, it's doing my own. It was a learning experience though, in terms of the, I'm like, Oh, mutual funds. Oh, financial advisors be a little wary, but also just doing my own stock. I bought a Chinese water stock, like, because I was like, Oh, water for the future. You're going to need water. And it ended up being like a, like a, fake fly by night corporation and i made i made two hundred dollars into zero dollars but it it was a small you know it was i lost 200 bucks okay i have a story yes just just so that people know that it's okay like these things you're going to make these mistakes right and these are my worst yeah i I had my mom got into buying money different kinds of money that was really low right that was valued low right the idea that it's going to someday all of a sudden pop and then you just exchange it for U.S. dollars and make a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't a ton of money, but I spent like $1,000 on Iraqi dinar. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have it. And it's really fun to look at it. Like sometimes I throw it on my bed and just lay in it. No, I'm kidding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and these, the dinar is like, has like so many zeros on them and they're worth like, a dollar. Yes. Anyway, so, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're young and, you know, it looks like the thing is scams will always use the current political situation, the current volatile international political situation to get you. Right. And so you just, you just have to be savvy. And, you know, there are some get rich quick schemes out there that do pay off, but very, a very small percentage. So it's better just to go, you know, the, the steady route and, yeah. and look at it long-term and it will pay off in the end. Yep. Don't be overwhelmed. Like I know I've been that way and I just put my head in the sand for a while and yeah. I wish I hadn't, but I'm on the right track now. So, definitely, you know, and don't even the little smallest amount is, is worth it at this totally, point. Especially when, smart. especially when you're young, you know, 30 bucks yeah. a month, whatever, oh put it gosh. in a, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think, unfortunately, like we were saying, it, people are not taught this in high school, yeah. they're not taught it in college. And unfortunately, I think we're going to have a lot of people that are going to end up at the end of their career that have, that, that we're not taught these staple ideas in, in life to make sure that you're being taken care of at the end. I mean, right. This was like everybody used to do these things yeah. 50 years ago. And now you hear, you talk to a lot of people, they're not doing it at all. Right. Like they're not even looking forward to how they're going to be able to take care of themselves in retirement. I've seen that uh, backwards and forwards. And it's, it's really unfortunate. Although to end on a high note, I'll talk <laughs> about some of my, my highs in the stock market. Some of my yeah. windfalls around the time where I lost a bunch of money on the, with the mutual fund guy. I put about 150 bucks into Apple stock in like 2001. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. So oh, it's, wow. I, I think that alone is now worth like $8,000 or something like that. Yeah. So obviously I can't retire on that, but you can see where I lost like 1300 bucks or 2300 bucks mm-hmm. in an afternoon or something over time. I also made like eight grand yep. out of nothing. Yep. That's probably my biggest Hi, I also bought Chipotle like four years ago or so when they had like uh they had an outbreak of yes, people getting life. sick. Yeah. Note to all always buy stock in those because they always come back almost every time. So I bought Chipotle when it tanked <clears throat> and I like quadrupled my money. So wow. it wasn't huge. Like I, I bought it for like three hundred bucks and it's worth like thirteen hundred bucks now or something. But so realize I just wanted to bring those up, you know, because I have winners as well with the losers and anyone who gets into this, you'll see that as well. And it's OK, you know, because long term, it's worth it for you to be that kind of drip investor. Yeah, I know I've said it before, but I can't just coming from somebody who started being more conscious with my financial situation later in life. I can't say enough. Please, please, please do this now. And don't think that you're out of the market with it. Like even the smallest amount, like Andrew said, it 
is better than nothing at all. And, you know, I'm on, um, I've been divorced once. And so the 401k, like also, you know, some of you, that might be a decision maker and where you're going to work. Like really start asking those questions and just ask, is is this 401, is there a 401k? Or, I mean, you don't need to do a 401k, but you know, the IRA, these are things that you can do, even though you're paycheck to paycheck. Like think, think about it. There's, there are ways that you can cut back. I was just talking to somebody on my team that we are talking about how can we save money overall? There's little things that you do that you don't have to take your joy out of your life to save money. But there are areas that, especially right now, I know I'm so busy that there's some things that I do that are not smart financially. And just cutting, cutting back on those things or being smarter in those ways don't affect my quality of life at all and add more to my ability to save money than just throwing away money and giving it to other people. Because that's what you do when you're not, when you're not being conscious about how you spend your money. Right. I can't agree more. It's not about just eating Campbell's soups in the corners in front of a candle. You know, it's, uh, it's just about being smart. And I think that's a great point. And I would just leave off on what Heather said earlier fill those different buckets over time fill the Roth IRA fill the 401k fill the stock market right and it'll absolutely pay off in the end and with that we will see you guys next time I'm Andrew Kinkella signing off I'll talk to you guys later thanks everyone for joining hopefully hopefully this was helpful (laughs) I think it was extremely helpful we'll talk to you guys next time That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Come.